All right, let's get this started. Welcome to My Comic Shop History, live once again from Undiscovered Realm Comic Con. here at the Westchester County Center in White Plains, New York on April 8th, 2017. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. My name is Anthony Desiato and I am your host. Uh, I want to introduce... <laughs> thank you, Greg. <laughs> I want to introduce uh, the two gentlemen on either side of me. Uh, to the right, we have the editor-in-chief of 13thDimension.com. Please welcome Dan Greenfield. Uh, now, how I met Dan, uh, you and I met in person for the first time only about a year or so ago. Except for the time that I, a couple of times that I did go into alternate realities and we didn't know each other. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but prior to our official meeting last time, uh, our relationship mostly consisted of me hounding you via email to do stories <laughs> about my projects. Uh, so I'm very glad that now we've met and you can uh, sure. be here with us today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and to my left, we have a fellow podcaster, he's the host of the shows Stuff Said and Cruising Together, and a comic book creator, uh, you might know him from X-Babies, the Spongebob comics, or uh, his book, Picks. Uh, volume 1 is available now from Image Comics, and Volume 2 will be coming out shortly. Please welcome Greg Shegel. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony, for having me. Now, how I met Greg. Uh, Greg, we crossed paths when I was making my most recent documentary film, Wacky that's, Man. That's 100% true. And uh, I reached out to you about being a, uh, an on-camera participant in the documentary. Also true. And uh, when I came to your place to interview you, uh, one of the first things you mentioned, I think, was the fact that you are a podcaster. And at okay. that point, I, the thought of doing my own show wasn't even in my head. Ah, okay, uh, sure. But I was impressed by your commitment to, to podcasting. And when I started out on this journey, you were a tremendous help to me. So I thank you very much. You're very welcome. All right. Happy to help. <laughs> You've, I feel like you have become more committed than I have as my show has fallen into uh, slack release. No, maybe just a little more obsessive. I okay. <laughs> Committed, obsessive, it's all two sides of the same coin, right? I suppose. Uh, so looking out here, I see a lot of friendly, familiar faces. Uh, and I also see some people uh, who I don't know. So again, thank you to everyone who came out. Uh, for those of you who might be in the audience and have no idea who I am or what my comic shop history is, here's what we're about. Uh, for over 10 years, I shopped, worked, and hung out at a comic book store called Alternate Realities in Scarsdale. And uh, almost two years ago, that store closed. And out of that closing, this podcast was born. So over the first season, our community came together to talk about what the store had meant to us over all of those years. So we had the perspectives of owners, customers, and employees, 
and we relived the store's uh, many highs and lows as we eulogized it and, and really tried to give it a fond farewell. Uh, after season one, the show underwent a little bit of a rebirth, and we came back with a new focus on collecting and collector behavior. And that really grew out of a longing that I was feeling for uh, the excitement I used to feel for New Comic Book Day that I hadn't felt in a long time. And I kind of had a little bit of a journey uh, over the course of the season, and in the end, what I realized was that, you know, I can't force myself to feel excited about New Comic Book Day. But the one thing that I could do was embrace the passion that I do still feel very strongly for comic book stores and their stories. And so moving forward, that's really what this show is about. Um, season three is gonna kick off in June, and over 10 episodes, I'm gonna be visiting comic shops across the country, as many as I can, um, and speaking with the people who make up this comics retail community, and hopefully try to do a little bit with those stores uh, what I did with alternate realities. Uh, so that's what's coming up on the show, and I'm really excited, excited for today, because um, with these two gentlemen, we're going to kind of kick that off and tee things up with uh, what I think will be a really great discussion about comic books. Uh, comic books. Ah, there we go. Comic shops <laughs> and comic books. See, we do have some, uh, some props here. Yeah, I brought props. We'll get to. Um, I suppose to sort of kick things off, uh, what I would ask each of you, um, what, are, um, what are the most recent shops that you guys have checked out? Either stores you go to regularly or maybe new shops that you might have discovered. I guess I'll go to Dan first. Uh, my regular shop every Wednesday is Midtown Comics, uh, the Grand Central location in uh, Manhattan. And I've been going there for years now. Um, it's convenient for me because I work in the city. Um, but it also has a lot going for it, a lot to recommend it for being kind of the ideal comic shop for me. Um, bright, well-stocked, very friendly staff, you know, very, you know, it's bustling, it's very welcoming, and it's, it's, it's a lot of what I look for when I, when I do go to a shop. Cool. And what about you, Greg? Uh, I'm going to fall into the horrible cliche of a comic creator that sometimes barely gets to the shop. Uh, I get my comics shipped to me from Acme Comics in North Carolina. Uh, I, they have a pull list. They mail me my books every two weeks. But when I do go to shops uh, in New York, I feel like my mic is hot. I'm going to move it away from my mouth. All right, that's better. Um, I go, I've been to Midtown, certainly. Forbidden Planet, I was in there recently to see if they had copies of my book. It's all very self-serving. Uh, uh, all Yet Comics in Harrison, I head up there quite a bit. I know those guys. Uh, I think those are the main ones I can think of, right? Those are the, the city. Hanley's, I used to go to Hanley's back in the day. They still don't have my book. <laughs> what do I have to do? Yeah, so, so uh, I'm trying to think. I feel like I went somewhere, and now I can't remember where it was. So, what does that say for that shop? Must not have made a strong enough impression, <laughs> I guess. I guess. Not. Uh, but actually, you know, a number of the stores that you guys mentioned uh, will will hopefully be featured in the upcoming season of the podcast. So I'm really excited to get into those stores and, and talk to the people who run them. Um, I had a really great experience uh, with a number of people who are here in the audience recently at Oya oh yeah Comics in Harrison. Uh, the owner, Mark, uh, was really interested in doing a spend a day with Steve Odo event. Uh, as many of you know, Steve Odo was the owner of Alternate Realities. Uh, so we put together this event, uh, and it was great. You know, we got to see a lot of customers who hadn't, been, who hadn't seen in a really long time. Uh, and it kind of made me realize, I hadn't realized how much I missed just kind of being in that atmosphere and having those interactions. Um, you know, it was, it was really a lot of fun, and I think people enjoyed it. So uh, that, was, that was a great recent experience. Um, I had an almost experience uh, in New Jersey uh, not too long ago. So my wife is from uh, Voorhees, South Jersey, close to Philadelphia. And she's told me a number of times over the years about a, 
uh, a dirt mall, uh, an indoor flea market, similar to uh, the market where our, our mutual friend Jay Mizell used to run a booth where he sold his comics and movie posters. So there's a very similar indoor flea market in Jersey, and there's a, a comic shop there, and we went, and I didn't even get a chance to what, meet him. What's the name of the place? The name of the place. Steph, do you know the name? Berlin Mart. Berlin Mart. Oh, okay. did, did, did no, I was thinking of another one that oh, was okay. going to feature into you know, one of your questions. Okay. That was, okay. uh, so I didn't get to, to go to that store, but hopefully I will shortly, because I'm kind of curious to see if it's like a bizarro version of Jay Mizell, which I think would be fascinating. Um, but I actually wanted to ask you, Dan, because um, when you uh, wrote one of your articles about the documentary that I did on Jay, you talked about an experience or experiences that you had um, at, a, at a similar type of store um, when you were earlier, earlier on in your collecting career? Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, really, or early teenager. Um, so I grew up in the 70s, and right at that kind of crossover period before comic stores were really proliferating, and where you could still get the comic, you know, comics at your corner store or at the convenience store, or, or if you were in the city, a newsstand, that sort of thing. Um, but there was a place called the Route 1 Flea Market, um, which was very much like what you had here in Porchester, only a lot bigger, relatively cleaner. Um, but there was a place there that I used to I used to go every Saturday when I could go on my own. And I would actually, and, and this is not an exaggeration, risk my life to get there every Saturday because of the way that I had to, to get there. I'd take my bike and I'd go down this really steep hill, take these back roads. I lived in a town called Highland Park, which was just across uh, the Raritan River from New Brunswick, if you're familiar, anybody here from New Jersey. Um, and You'd, I, you know, I'd get to a point where the road would stop, and I actually had to climb a rocky hill. There, there was, I mean, it was just those like those big, um, you know, those big uh, uh, gravel rocks that you have in, in uh, parking lots. And I would take my bike on my shoulder, climb up, climb up, slide back, climb up, climb up. Finally, I'd be in this other parking lot again uphill. At that point, I was at. And I can't believe I did any of this. You know, this is the kind of stuff I never would have let my kid do or, or anything like that. But this is, you know, what you know, a stupid teenager did in 1979 or 1980. Um, and at that point, I'm at, a, at the foot of a you know, 100 foot high bridge over the Raritan River with only a railing on one side, 65 mile per hour uh, traffic on the other side, riding across, being buffeted by the winds to get across finally to the Route 1 flea market, and that's where I would get my comics. And I did this both ways. Um, uphill both ways uh, uh, for you know a better part of a year before we finally moved away. My mother never got the wiser how I was getting there. Not, not to make this a competition, but I used to, have to I asked my mom to drive me to the comic store, so yeah. it was tough, tough for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, however, did you yeah, manage? My, my, mom, my mom had a love-hate relationship with my whole comic collecting thing, you know. So I mean, so it was mostly I was on my own. I, I, I had a job when I was 13. I used to make my own money. I was I was I would hawk coffee in a bingo hall in Highland Park, and that's, that's how I made my comic book money, and I made pretty good money for that, a kid that age, a lot of tips, and of course, the, you know, everything I was doing was saving up for my you know, comics, much to my mother's chagrin, um, but this was every Saturday, and you'd spend all day there, too. It was like a place to go. The way you talk about alternate realities, this was sort of my first place that was, that it felt like it belonged to me. You know, this was around 1980, and it was, it, you know, you'd see the same people there, the same arguments would go on, you know, at that point it was, you know, the new Teen Titans, which, you know, I brought some props just, you know, for... You know, a for, visual, yes, visual for a visual... Yes, for a visual presentation. <laughs> uh, the new Teen Titans and, uh, you know, versus the X-Men, people talking about this guy, Frank Miller. You know, all of that stuff was going on at that time. It was, it, it, it's among my fondest memories of being a comic book fan, certainly from that period. 
Now, it sounds a little treacherous from what you've described. Now, here's the OCD collector in me. How did you keep the comic book safe on, on this journey? I, I would put them down my shirt, actually. Yeah, I would, I would, you know, yeah, I know, right? I mean, how stupid is that? You know, I, I'd tuck in my shirt on my bike, and I figured, you know, my chest is relatively flat. I was a lot skinnier then than I am now. And, and I figured, all right, they'll at least stay flat and I'd have them in a paper bag. And that's how I rode home with them. And, you know, I, I hate to tell you, but they actually did okay. You know, they, they were actually fine. And, um, yeah, that was, I, I, I wouldn't put them in a backpack, and I didn't put them in a basket. I actually had them against my very heart. We have one of the most OCD collectors I know, Sean Mack, sitting in the front row here. And I'm surprised he's still here. I thought we might lose him. Are you going to pass out? <laughs> yeah. I don't do that now, um, but I, at 13, I was, I was cool with that. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember the uh, the owner or the people who, who worked there? What yeah, were, there was, were like? his name was Bill. Uh, Bill Goheen, I think. Um, he we ended up moving away. This I went there through my freshman year in high school, and at that point we moved away. And he ended up shutting down. Well, I actually got a job with him bagging and boarding um, at his home, you know, for his shop. Uh, that so I was able to make more money to make you know to buy comic books. Eventually, he just you know shut down, and the whole place shut down. It's now a, like a Lowe's movie, you know, multiplex theater, or, or what have you. But it, it you know, the, I remember Bill, and he was, you know, as the owner, he was sort of the ringmaster. He was the guy who, you know, media, and he was older than all of us, so he was like mediating the arguments, and he'd send someone out to get you know lunch because the place, you know, since it was a flea market, they had plenty of lunch options. But we all just got French fries, healthy. Um, so, but he was he was the guy who I just I remember him. You know, other than other people I've met over the years, at that era, he's the guy I remember the most. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I think has you know attracted me to this this subject matter um, really is that each store has its own personality. I think coming from the the people who own it and work there and the customers, just that community. I think it's something that you don't get at other types of retail establishments, um, and so that's what I'm really you know looking forward to exploring over the course of these episodes. Yeah, it, it wasn't just a place to go to pick up my stuff and leave. You hung out there all day, you know, and and it was and for hours, you know, and that was it was like a clubhouse. Now, Greg, when you were in the car with your mother on the way to... Uh, I was in the comic store. She was in the car. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. on, the, well on the way. Okay. Sure. So, then, so she waited inside. You yeah, went. yeah. So what were the, uh, the earliest stores that, uh, that you went to? Uh, so the earliest, uh, aside from the convenience stores that had comics on a spinner rack, uh, there was a store in... I grew up in Miami, Florida. The store we went to was called Comics Bazaar, and uh, I have very fond memories of it. Particularly, they had... So I was probably seven or eight years old, my older brother was buying actual new comics. I would just go to the 10 cent bins. There were 10 cent bins at the time. And uh, I would just pick up any comic that had a character I recognized from the Super Friends. So I ended up with a lot of Brave and the Bolds and DC Comics Presents, which were Batman teaming up with people and Superman teaming up with people. That was the best. And that was where I found the comic book Power Pack, which was sort of my, the first comic I found on my own. And that comic is awesome, still great. Uh, and. Yeah, I, I remember that store well. I don't know where it was because I was eight years old and I was just getting in the car. Uh, but at some point, that store disappeared. Uh, I remember it was a, a woman either ran it or was at the counter at the very least. They had toys. They had, it, was, it was a great store from what my memory is. And then a few years later, a store closer opened and my older brother could drive. And that store was called Superheroes Unlimited. And we went there for years, like for ages. But we really would go in we'd buy our comics and we'd leave. We weren't as hangouty as uh, what I understand now as I've grown up and met more people in comics uh, were. Like we would go in, we'd buy our books, stacks, like just stacks of books and walk out and then we'd come back every 
week or every couple of weeks and buy our books. And it wasn't until I was in high school where I actually started talking to the guy at the shop. Like he'd been seeing me there for years. And then I think I had met uh, Ted McKeever. He'd come to my high school to talk to us. And he also shopped at that store. So I had gone in. I was supposed to meet up with him there. And then I started talking to the shop. But even then, I didn't hang out super long. Once I, then I got an internship at Marvel. And then we started talking more and more. And I got more involved. But it was a small store. So there wasn't a lot of sitting around. So you mentioned something that, yes. that also, the, the idea of a store, you know, not lasting. I mean, my earliest memories of stores before, you know, the one at the Route 1 flea market was they would come and they would go. And you'd be disappointed because you didn't know it. You know, I remember one case, um, we lived in a town called Old Bridge in New Jersey. And friends of ours lived in Highland Park. This was before we moved there. And there was a comic book store there. And I remember the comics that I bought there. I mean, it was more visuals, Batman 260. Spider-Man 142, that's how memorable the store was because it was the first time I'd ever been to a place that just sold comics. I mean, they sold records and some other things, but it was a comic book store. First time I'd ever been to one. Usually it was Krausers or 7-Eleven or the drugstore or whatever. And when my mother said, you know, we're gonna move to Highland Park, I was like, yes, you know, there's that store there that's got the comic books. And then we moved there and I walked downtown and it was gone. And it was just hard, I thought, why do we move here? Why do we, there's no comic book store, this place. So did, I, you, did you do what my brother and I did? So my parents were divorced, so we'd go to my dad's and we'd just go through the yellow pages because the internet didn't exist. Right. And you would look for comic book stores and it'd be like three. It, and no, you'd, just, because, you'd search, search them all out to see what was the best one. No, because the great thing about living in Highland Park specifically was you could walk everywhere. And this was still in an, in a, in an era, not to sound like uh, you know, an old man, oh, in my day, you, know, you could go anywhere when you were, I mean, there was off-campus schools for, for grammar school kids, you know, it, when I was in when I was in um, when I was in fourth grade, I'd go to school in the morning. We had lunch break. I used to walk home. My mother worked. My parents were divorced. I used to go home, cook myself lunch on the stove, no no adult supervision. Went back to school on my own, and nothing ever. You know, there were never any problems with that. Highland Park was like that, and you could walk to you know walk wherever. And there were places that sold comics. There just weren't comic book stores. Right. So I never felt like I you know once I got you know the you know the the idea of what the place was like, I wasn't heartbroken in the fact that the other place had closed because there were still sure. comic books to get. You know, it's funny when you mentioned, you know, discovering that the store had closed. I mean, I've spoken about this before on the podcast, but uh, Heroes World was really my first comic book shop before Alternate Realities. And I remember going there to the Galleria Mall that day, and it had closed since the last time I was there, which had only been a week or two. Right. And I mean, I'm, st I'm still traumatized by that. It was a terrible <laughs> feeling. Uh, I was in the Galleria recently, and I was trying to figure out where, where it was. I imagine don't know that I quite climbed, found the spot. Imagine if you'd climbed the rocky wall to get there and then found it was closed. Yeah, I know. Seriously. I know, seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of work. It was. I mean, it was a lot of work. You needed a periscope to make sure it was still there before <laughs> was you went crazy. up that wall. I, when I think back to what I did, it was just it was like kind of the stupidest thing, you know. But I had to have my comics. Are any of those comics in front of you comics that were in your shirt? No. Okay. No, they weren't. In fact, I sold all those to Steve. Uh, <laughs> you, um, so anybody who has those from around 1980, Batman 312 maybe. No, that one I bought at, uh, at the uh, stationery store in Highland Park. But uh, if you have New Teen Titans, if you have this, a copy of this New Teen Titans number one, it probably was in my shirt. So if you bought it from Steve, chances are... My DNA is on that is on that copy. It's a special DNA variant. It is. Right. I'll sign it for you if you like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we sold worse things at the store, so it's all right. <laughs>
Greg, I want to follow yeah. up on uh, something that you were mentioning about um, sort of like becoming part of a community and joining conversations and things like that. Because I think I really, I really came to take this for granted at Alternate Realities because once I was part of that community, I was just so used to it and it was just a natural part of my comic shop experience. And honestly, I mean, mostly out of loyalty, partly out of the discount that I got at AR, like I rarely had the desire to seek out other stores while AR was there. So I know that feeling. Yeah, so it's just like I never really thought about it. But then um, I was traveling recently. I was in Chicago, and I went to Graham Cracker Comics. They have a bunch of locations uh, across the city. And I went there, and I was in there for a good hour. And it was a perfectly fine store. I mean, well-stocked and organized and all of that. Um, but I mean, you know, nobody said a word to me. I mean, no, you know, staff member came up and asked if I needed help. They, I didn't necessarily see conversations that I, I could jump in on. I, I certainly didn't make any effort to start a conversation. And it's just the kind of thing where it's like, I don't know, like, really how I would go about this at, at this point. Yeah, just to talk to, to strangers. Yeah. yeah, I don't do that in comic book stores. I don't do it anywhere. I mean, that, that has more to do with who we are as human beings and comic shop behavior, right? Like... I'm not prone to, if I'm not behind the table at a convention, I don't talk to people that aren't looking at me, um, <laughs> typically. <laughs> so, so, yeah, if I go into a comic store, if I have no agenda, whether it's to, you know, see if they carry my book or, it's all very self-serving. Even, um, but even if that doesn't exist, I, I like the feeling of it. I mean, like I said, I go into Midtown Comics, and it's a, you know, it's a very busy location for all the obvious reasons. Um, and sometimes I just go and get my stuff and go, I gotta catch a train. You know, I, gotta, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm business only, you know, pardon the, the phrase. Um, but sometimes, you know, and you know, it, it is nice going into, I've been going there long enough where they greet me by name, they do know who I am, and whether I wanna talk or not, it's still a really welcoming atmosphere, and I really appreciate that. Um, the, but even, you know, even if I'm not a part of the conversation, I like hearing that it goes on, that there's still that, that familial atmosphere that does exist. Oh, I, I love overhearing comic yeah. shop conversations. And I will sometimes That's jump in too, where I'll make right. my comments and, and what have you, but it really depends on the circumstance. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, always did, I always did feel like with alternate realities, if I, were, if I had been starting to go there when I was your age, it's, it's, I can understand where the, the appeal that that store had for you and obviously the people here in this audience, that, you know, that, that those are some really, really strong memories. I could certainly relate to them. Yeah, actually, speaking of alternate realities, I have to share this. Um, More visuals, or is this an uh, audio clip? No, no, this is just something that I'm, I'm going to read. <laughs> okay. So, that um, makes sense. In addition to this wonderful event that's taking place today, today's also my, my 30th. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Yay. And uh, the legendary Steve Odo wrote uh, something on my, on my Facebook page today that gave me quite a laugh. He said, happy 30th. If all goes according to schedule, you have about six years to go before you decide to chuck it all and open a comic book store. By then, everything in the warehouse will be organized, and you'll have a fantastic inventory with which to start your path to wealth and glory. So thank you very much, Steve. I appreciate it. Is that a full bequeathment, or is that an offer for sale? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We might have to sort that out. You're the lawyer. Well, you're both lawyers. <laughs> both this is going to be a real battle. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, the idea of, uh, of resurrecting alternate realities, I'd be lying if I said that there was no, no appeal to Would that. you call it alternate, alternate realities? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something to signify, like, yeah. the, the next generation. I don't know. That's really tough. I feel like under the right circumstances, I feel like for purposes of the podcast, it'd be an awesome final season. 
It'd be a great sure. final season for like the return. I don't know if it's worth. Well, because like, once you have a store, the tail wagging the dog, dude. But once you have a store, you're going to be a little too busy to podcast, right? So it would have to be the final season. Yeah. Yeah. But what a way to go out. What a way to oh, go man. out. All Swinging. Three is back. <laughs> the location is still available. <laughs> you know what, though? There's another spot that I, that I, I keep going past on Central Avenue that I like. And if I were to do it, that's where I, I wouldn't go to the same spot. Um, though that would have, that certainly would be tempting, but poetic. anyway. Hmm? Be yeah, it would. I don't know, it's, it's tough though. From the crowd, somebody said that would be poetic. <laughs> yes. Just helping Thank the you. audio recording. I appreciate no it. No problem, here to help. The famous wacky man himself, Zach Walliner. <laughs> I think we might, have, we might have picked you up. Just in case. You, you can cut all this in post. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, the idea of all... I mean, I'll be honest. I think all of Only us... Only be honest. No jokes. April Fool's is over. That's right. We're, yeah. we're well past that. Well, we past that. Um, I, I think all of us, some have a little bit of a, of a question of whether Steve would, would bring the store back because he's been holding on to the merchandise and he's, he keeps buying new collections. So He's, he's going to give it to you. When we did, I think it was... I don't for, think for the it purposes was, uh, of the listeners who can't see, Steve just kind of, you know, quietly shrugged and laughed. <laughs> he, yeah. It's really fun. But Mark Hammond at All Yeah Comics, I think that's, I think that's a, a, a question that he has if, uh, if he might actually open a store again. So, you know, who knows what, what could happen in the future. It's a mystery. The future is a mystery. Yeah. One of the things I think that would hold me back is, you know, we do have these other stores. We have Spider's Web. We have All Yeah Comics. Not super close to each other, but close enough where, you know, throwing in a third store to the mix might be a little difficult. But if there were cooperation to some extent among the stores and maybe each store were filling a specific need, it could be quite the enterprise. I have a question for you. May I? Please. All right, so you're about to embark on this adventure of uh, visiting shops around the country. Yes. Now, clearly, all these shops are going to be presenting their best foot, right, because they're being recorded. They're going to... But you're going to be seeing shops in action. Yes. So you're going to see the highs and the lows. Do you think, make a prediction, this will bolster your desire to do, become a, a store owner or make you go... Oh no, this is no good. I don't want to do this. I've seen uh, the other side. I've really gone uh, under the skin. Yeah, I feel like is I that might... the point of this whole thing? Is this going to be your your, Maybe your doctoral to... thesis and just make sure you really want to do this for a living? Yeah, I just want to be really sure and like, <laughs> yeah. like talk myself out of it. No, I don't know. This might be like San Diego Comic Con. So I went last summer and it was great. It was the second time that I went. And I went with Mike San Gregorio, who's in the awe. He's not really paying attention, but he's back there. And uh, he keeps asking me if I want to go with him again. And, and I'm like, it was a great experience. I had enough, though. And I feel like I might feel I the feel same. that way about San Diego, too. I've been there, and I kinda, every year I think I should go back, I should go back. And I'm like, no, no, it's just too much. So yeah, I, I'm glad I did it. It's like, it's like what it used to be for Times Square for New Year's Eve. It was the same thing. I'm glad I did it the one time. I never right. need to do it again. So that's kind of what I think is going to happen with these comic shops, where there is this little piece of me that does think it would be interesting. And obviously, the fact that I do this podcast, I mean, I'm very interested in the inner workings of a store and the, the running of the business and the culture community aspect, but, but definitely both pieces of it. Um, but I feel like I, I might feel the same way about that that I do about Comic-Con. It was great, but I don't really need to, to go further down that road. We'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. But now speaking of you know the road, so you know the the podcast and, and the documentary project that's going to follow, 
it's going to kind of have like a road trip feel as, I, as I'll be going to these different stores. Now, for both of you guys, is this, because I know this is, is kind of common among comic book fans where you go to a, a new town and, you, you know, you look up the comic store, whether it used to be in the yellow pages or, you know, now obviously we have technology that makes it a lot easier. Um, but is that something that you guys are into? Like you go to a new town and you want to check out the stores that are there? Every time. Every time. I mean, it, 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 I, for whatever reason, um, even if, no matter where I am, if I, if I go to a new town, if I get a chance to do it, I always want to check out what their comic book stores are like. And I've been fortunate. I've actually gotten to do that overseas. And it's different. It's a, some of it's the same, but it's also very different. I've been in comic stores in France. I've been in comic stores in uh, Spain. I've been in Ireland. And it's, you know, it's... It, and it's, it's a different experience in each place. Italy, also, all over Italy. Uh, every time we would go to a new town, I would make sure that I'd get to go to comic stores there. My wife is exceptionally patient with me about it. Um, the, uh, the most interesting thing I found was in Paris, actually. They actually have a comic book district, if you've never been or if, if you have been, maybe we're unaware. But they, they have a neighbor, much like you have the garment district in Manhattan, they have the comic book district in Paris. It's crazy, but if you go there, there are like four or five stores all in the same neighborhood. And you just go from one place to the next. And they have a combination of American comics, translated comics, and then of course a lot of European comics, which are extremely popular. But it just shows you how different the, the culture is over there versus how it is here, where you have one town and then you may go... I mean, it's different, of course, Paris being a major metropolitan city, worldwide city. But even in Manhattan, you don't have that. You still have to go Union Square, Grand Central, to Times Square, whatever. In, 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 you know, in, in other countries, comic books are seen as a different type of art form, even today, than, than they're seen as today. Um, but it also, I mean, you even find places that have back issues, places that don't have back issues. It very much mirrors what you see here. But I'm, I'm always fascinated to go, particularly when I want to see how they package American comics and how they're translated, because they actually sell them in a different way than they're sold here. Oh, how do they sell them? Uh, a lot more collections, and I don't mean by necessarily, I mean, they do a lot of trade paperbacks and hardcovers, but even single issues, um, they won't necessarily do one story in it. It'll be Batman, but it'll have maybe five issues that'll go for 10 euro, and they'll have backups. Instead of having Batman Detective, Batman and Robin, or, or whatever, it'll be Batman, and then there'll be five different stories from, you know, five different American comics, and then maybe even like a, like a wild card, they'll have, like Aquaman doesn't sell enough to get his own comic overseas, but he'll be popping up in, say, the back of The Flash, or, or what have you. So, that's really interesting. Also, the way they, I mean, they even have in, in Italy, they have these boxes where after a year is up, you can put them in these highly decorative uh, boxes that you can then store on your shelf as opposed to long boxes. Like I have one that was, that was illustrated by Greg Capullo, um, which was the, you know, supposed to fit the first 12 issues of the new 52 Batman run with Scott Snyder. And I, I bought that just because it looks really, really cool. But they have like a ton of those as opposed to selling long boxes. That's fascinating. I mean, if uh, the <laughs> the American version of this project goes well, maybe yeah, there will be yeah, an international I, I, component. Yeah, if you line. have the chance to do it, it's it's definitely well, it's definitely worth it. Plus, you also get an opportunity to see. And I'm always really interested in old comics. You know, Silver Age, Golden Age is virtually non-existent, but Silver Age and Bronze Age comics that you know, like I have like Neil Adams comics from 1974, but they're in Spanish or they're. You know, some old Kurt Swan supermodels that are in, you know, that are in Italian, which is also really cool to see. And the changes that they made and, the, and they actually would sometimes tinker with the artwork. It's, they're just really interesting artifacts. 
I'm curious about what the atmosphere is like at these stores. Do you see a similar, is a similar type of feel as, as what you get at stores here? In the same way that it's different from every store that you go to. I mean, I, I, I went to a store in Madrid last summer um, where at first it was just kind of overwhelming because it was so crowded. But once I got someone to answer a couple of questions, they were amazingly helpful. Even like after I left the store, they came running out, oh, we found this for you, we found this for you. You know, it was, you know, that's not something you see here. Um, but in terms, of the, in terms of the atmosphere, some places you could tell were, were friendlier than others, just like whatever you see in the United States. Cool. And I mean, obviously there are, you know, the, the certain comic book fan stereotypes that are often sadly perpetuated. Those in, are international. In, that, yeah, that's... Yes, those are international. Okay, that was my question. Yeah. <laughs> and you, sir, Greg, are you, uh, do you like checking out stores when, you, when you're traveling? Uh, I, I don't do it as much as I think other people do. I like checking out donut shops and grocery stores. Uh, just there's something about grocery stores in other towns. I like seeing what their local store brands are, okay. like what they call their version of Seven Up. Get a kick out of that. <laughs> no, that is really cool, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're joking or not. No, I'm not. Actually, really. No, cool. no. I actually, yeah, I, I like yeah, seeing the logos and like their cereals, like all the, like whatever the local brands are. Yeah. Uh, but when I do go places, if I don't make it a point to go visit a comic shop, but if I have a reason to, I'll check out comic shops. So at one point, I was in Atlanta. Uh, and I've thought about moving there. So I'm like, let's see what the comic shops are like. And I went to all of them. And that was interesting, because one shop, they bagged every book, new issues and back issues, which, like, like trades, not baggage. I mean, trades were oh. bagged on the shelf. Yeah. And that was just why like, this, that so weird? I'm, this really why is that so nuts. weird? Yeah. It, I, 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 because I, you I thought that was what you did do because, of, because of Steve's store, but then I found out that's not what other people because do. Because you, you flip. I guess I don't have to do Because that. you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, guys. <laughs> yeah. you got to flip through the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was always an automatic to me. That's how we did it at Alternate Realities. Like Some all books, the bags got yeah, traded. Yeah. Some books have like stuff on the flap. You're supposed to read that before you decide. I don't know. Well, I thought you get out of the bag. Then you feel like you're breaking some sort of rule, right? Like you don't go to the grocery and like, oh, these chips look good. You crack it open. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, books, there's a certain behavior yeah. Yeah. With, with books. But you could put the book back. I mean, once those chips are open, you're gone. With the book, you just tape it, tape it back. Yes, that's true. But you know what I'm saying. But I, I mean, know, I got you. Yeah. I got you. But All it's right. really funny. Well, you, really grapes, that was the thing. you grab a grape, you don't do that. You sort of take the grapes, or you don't take the grapes. <laughs> but... You know, if it was like a stack of grapes, you wanted to inspect them all, you just kind of just flip through the book. Anyway, that struck me as odd. Um, there was another store uh, in Atlanta that had, like, the kids section was right up front by the window, but, like, the sun had just sort of washed everything out on all those covers. Um, so, yeah, those, those are examples. And then anytime I go to a town for a convention, uh, if there's a comic store nearby, I might stop by. So I was at TCAF in Toronto. And I'd heard about Little Island Comics, which I think is no longer there, but it was a kids-only comic book shop, like a, a shop for only kids' comics. So I, I, I made it there, and I went to the Beguiling because I'd heard so much about it. I like Little Island better, personally. It's a nice little shop. Um, so I've gone to a handful of stores, but I don't, only because, I think because I don't have that wiring to hang out at the store, it seems like if I don't have something to buy, what am I going to the store for? And then I, I do it sometimes because if there's something that might, I mean, the same way that sometimes I'll go to a, a, even a comic book show on a lark, even though I'm not making a big deal about it, I'll go 
just to see what they may have, something that may strike my fancy that I wasn't thinking of. You know, I know what they have in Midtown Comics. And by that, I mean, I'm not talking about new stuff. I mean, new stuff, the same stuff is everywhere. But I'm talking about back issues, collectibles. Sure. Oh, geez, you know, more out of, and also just out of that blind curiosity where I just want to see how others do it. I don't know why that's even a thing. Overseas, I, that's, that's one thing. But I mean, I, my wife is from Kansas City. And every time I go to Kansas City, there's always a couple of stores I always check out. See, if I was in Kansas City, I would just eat barbecue. Which is, you know, That would be my entire, Florida, like, comic Bryant's. book stores would be the last thing yeah. in my mind. Well, you could do like, both. That's the thing. There's I not know, much else to do in Kansas City other than eat barbecue. I just and want sauce stuff, and so. pork. Baseball. <laughs> go see the Royals. Mainline it. Um, well, Greg, when I do yeah. the, uh, my, my grocery store history, you're oh, I'll, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. my first guest. Sure. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so I think because of that, because I think, like, all right, I'm traveling somewhere. I don't want to carry stuff back with me. I do have a comic shop. You where put I get, it down your shirt if yeah. you needed to. Yeah, there you go. I, I have a comic shop that gives me a ridiculous <laughs> discount, so there's that as well. So part of me is like, why, why buy things elsewhere when I can get them from this one shop that really uh, take care, takes care of me? Which I know is not great. It's not great behavior because stores need customers. In the same way that you don't want people getting stuff from Amazon because the discount is bigger. You kind of want to spread the love, but I'm a... a as it's been established, I'm very self-serving in all my well, decisions. The, the place in North Carolina, yeah. do they have a retail out operation? Yeah, yeah, they, they have a store. Well, see, then I think that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally understand the, the balance, and, and we're spoiled here in New York, even, even in Westchester, by the fact that there are you know, two stores already that you mentioned, and in Manhattan there's so many more. Plus, you know, it, we're not hurting for comic book shops around here, but there are places across the country um, that are, that they don't have anything, sure. and they have to go online. And I, I'm a real believer, and this is, the, this is the, the, the difficult part. I always felt actually guilty that I didn't go into alternate realities more because once Midtown Comics became my spot, I felt kind of loyal. They treated me well. I would get special deals. And the same thing now with Aw oh Yeah, which is a really nice store. And I know those guys. I know those guys from doing the website. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, you know, Franco, and I know Mark and all these guys, and I'll run into them, and I always feel bad about it. But at the same time, I also really like my store, and I also want to make sure that I'm loyal to them because they've been pretty loyal to me over the years. Yeah. No, it's certainly an interesting dynamic and, and a level of, of responsibility that you feel as a customer that you might not feel towards other types of, That's true of establishments. Too. Um, like a grocery store. Like a, right. yeah. Yeah. Or do you feel loyalty, right. though, Greg? To, no. Man, I love stopping shops. <laughs> <laughs> Just hanging out there in the produce section. It's, I mean, some stores have better produce sections. Well, there so you, is that. You, know, you go to not, different it's, stores it's for what like you need. But it's not about just hanging out with, you know, the no, clerk who's... No. Yeah. Trader Joe's, they talk to you at the counter, but you're not really yeah. hanging out. That's a thing with them. Yeah. I was asking them, hey, did you like that? Yeah, yeah. Did you find everything you yeah. need? Yeah. Oh, this is good. Have you had, I, like, yeah. I like Trader Joe's. They are very friendly. I'm completely yeah. derailing your... Yeah. That's right. Talk about no, no, chips. I don't know. You know, these episodes, they take on a life of their own. Especially when I'm on... Yeah. That's right. But I do actually, the North Carolina store that we're talking about is Acme Comics, yes. and uh, they're one of the stores that I will be visiting over uh, this upcoming season. Uh, now, I haven't been there, so anything that you can tell me to, to sort of help with my prep for this would be, would be really uh, appreciated. Like, what's the store like? So the store is, it's a fairly large store, uh, well-appointed. <laughs> um, they have a sister store right next door called Acme Comics Presents, and that's where they have the kids stuff and all the... All your, your precious pops. That's Ooh, where you'll find right. those. We gotta make sure we go there. Uh, but it is, it is a store, it's, it's split into two rooms when you walk in. That's where your new releases are and your independent graphic novels are in that space and all their stuff they have on immediate display. So for example, uh, with the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, they probably have a Guardians display with a bunch of Guardians traits. And then their, their back issue wall is there with some statues. And then you go into the side room 
and the side room is where, this is what it looked like two years ago, I've not been uh, in a while, but in the side room, that's where they have the graphic novel it's all along the wall, and they're separated by publisher, and then alphabetically, and then in the middle is all their back issues, and they have, you know, I couldn't tell you how many long boxes, but a good number of long boxes, and you can find quite a bit of stuff. They, they, uh, when, I, when I searched through the long boxes, I found some, some goodies. That, that's actually my disappointment about Midtown is that the fact that they don't really have a healthy, I mean, they have back issues, but it's almost like lip service. I mean, they have them, but it's not what you would consider right. a huge selection. And I mean, you, they have it on their website, um, but I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're actually, if you're going to go online, you really are better off just going to eBay as far as that stuff goes, unless they've got something that you can It definitely find. seems like the, the back issue uh, component of comic shops is declined so steeply. I mean, I went back to the store I used to go to in Miami last Thanksgiving, and it was, it was depressing, quite frankly, because he had basically turned his entire store into a newsstand, a comic book newsstand. He had one wall of comics, and he would rotate out, and he'd only buy enough to have, and then after that month, they, they, there was no back issue bin. They were just gone. And then half the store was built with uh, folding tables to play card games. And then he had one like rolling shelf of graphic novels, and it was all... Uh, Garth Ennis stuff because he really likes Garth Ennis and that was it. It's like, all right, this is not a, I mean, you almost can't hang out at this store because there's nothing to do. It's a little sad. Well, Forbidden Planet's like that. No, they don't have back issues. I mean, everything is current. Yeah. You know, I mean, they have a lot of stuff and they've got a huge selection. They've got all the merchandise, but I think it's also different. Do they not have that downstairs anymore? They used to have the back issues downstairs. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I mean, if I'm wrong, please correct me because I don't. Right. Um, but the, I mean, there are still some places in Manhattan where you can get almost exclusively back issues right. um, that still exist. Um, but St. Mark's has a pretty good St. Mark's does back issue section. Yeah. Um, but the, the, you know, and that, that is something that I think is just a changing nature of when we were going to comic book stores when we were kids. Um, because once the comic, boards, comic book stores came out, that was what it was. I mean, back issues and current, but you didn't have the proliferation of publishers. You didn't have the even, you know, you, you didn't, they weren't selling Migos, you know what I'm saying? You didn't, that's not the place where you went. There were no pops. There were, there were no T-shirts. There's also such a, a healthier uh, collections publishing plans at all these. You know, there was a time where you didn't know, know if a miniseries was going to get right. a trade paperback collection. And now you just, I mean, people trade weight. Like, they just assume yeah. that things are going to get collected. And if it doesn't, it's like it's, it, people go crazy. Like, how could you not put that in trade? Right. How can you not put that so in with trade? That so in, the market dropped out on the back issue. With that in digital, there, there really is no need, quote unquote, for, it's, it's almost like vinyl records or, or, you know, it's for people that really want those things. Right. If you just want to read something, you'll, you can get it. Although for me, there's nothing, there's nothing that, I mean, I have a bunch of trades and I, you know, I definitely have a collection of those, but I really still like looking at back issues. I love the smell of them, the feel of them, checking out the ads. I knew you were going to say the smell, so here's a question. Yeah. If the smell of old comics was bottled, yeah. like it was like a spray or something like that, like a, you know, like a, a Glade plug-in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Would that cut into, by, by some percentage, the desire for back? Like, you could put a Glade plug in, it'll smell like old comics, and you can read it on a screen and sort of like trick yourself? No. Okay. I think I might. I think I might do that. That would not work. You could put like, a, I breathe right, the idea. like a breathe yeah. right strip that makes it smell like old no, comics, and then you just no. can like read on anything? No, Listen, if he didn't have yeah. it pressed up against his body, climbing that's that true. It's just right. not going to happen. So it's, it's comic <laughs> book smell <laughs> and Everybody like. Everybody loves their own brain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pheromones and, com and old comic books. Yeah. Speaking of back issues, though, um, obviously I know you're not maybe as familiar with this area, but Dan, um, did you I'll ever go I'll make it up. I'll pretend. <laughs> <laughs> comic book heaven? Did you ever go there? Yeah, I did. Um, Never heard of see, it. See, I, 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 it was, um, 
I had, with me in comic books, it was, you know, since I was five. I mean, my, my, my original, my earliest memories, it, I mean, even before I can remember, it was Adam West and Batman, the TV show. That's how I got into superheroes. Comic books came along around the time I was four or five years old in terms of me be, like understanding that there was something different in, in another visual. Like I remember being in a 7-Eleven and you know, I was, for me, Batman was Adam West. And I saw this cover by, by Neil Adams and it terrified me because for the first time I thought, wow, Batman and Robin were actually in legitimate danger. And I wasn't sure, because you know, even as a five-year-old, you knew that they were gonna get out of the trap that Catwoman set for them at the end of the episode. This was different. And I had to have this. And the next thing I knew, I started to accumulate comics. I don't say collected, it was accumulate because they were given to me by you know, family, friends, and what have you. And you know, I found ways to get them. And, and anytime there was another place that was not the US uh, one flea market, a place called the Collingwood Auction, the uh, English Town Auctions, these other places that were kind of indoor, outdoor flea markets. Friends and family would give me comics. And, and you know, all through that, and then you know, I started going to comic book shows, which I guess we could talk about it as a, as a, separate, uh, um, as a separate topic. But when it, when it came to the early 90s, I, I got burned out. I had, a, I had a, a, you know, just, I'd had enough. And I gave up comics, or at least I thought I had, for a good 10 years. Um, and even to the point where I sold off most of my collection to Steve. Um, and it, the funny thing was, just at the time that I decided to sell it off was also just around the time that I decided getting interested, you know, I was getting interested again. But I did, the first place I did start to visit when I was, I mean, it was almost not to put, not to be, you know, glib, but it was almost like an alcoholic walking into a bar but not having a drink. You know, I was just looking around and seeing what was going on and kind of, you know, walking up to the bar <coughs> not buying anything. Comic Book Heaven I used to go to, I used to like that store. I used to go to Steve's store, and that's, I think, the first time I saw any of you, because I remember faces even before I met you behind the counter, and I'd ask questions and what have you. Eventually, I sold the collection, but then I also started piecing it back together, and I remember Steve, you know, probably a few months after I'd sold the collection, says, so, um, are, you, are, you, are you buying it all back? And, uh, <laughs> which, which was only partially true, but it was something that I ultimately, you know, I, I did end up reconstructing a lot, but I did like comic book. Yeah. So, did you deal with Bishop? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And he ended up going over to the place in Mamaroneck. It's right? modern myths. Modern myths. Yeah. But I don't know if he's still there. It's been a long time since I've been there. I know that he was there the last time I saw him. Yeah, it's really funny. So I haven't, um, I haven't spoken to Bishop in years. I mean, I used to go to Comic Book Heaven occasionally as a kid. Uh, for the back issues. Now here's the generational divide here. Uh, the Spider-Man clone saga was really big for me. And uh, I, was, <laughs> I was a few years late to it, and so I was able to uh, piece together most of that run, largely through uh, Bishop in Comic Book Heaven. Uh, for those of you who know the story, you certainly know the Bishop tax. Uh, he would pull the, uh, <laughs> whatever issues he needed, uh, he would pull them from the back and sit down at the table with the price guide and, and make his notation as far as what he was charging for each one. And they were never cover price, so that we called it the bishop tax. Um, but they had everything, at least as far as the Clone Saga went, and a lot of other things, too. I mean, they, their back issue selection was substantial. Yeah. And that was also the first time I got the sense that, you know, because there, there was this whole change. Basically, I missed the 90s, um, thankfully, for, from what I've heard um, and, and what I've gone back to see. Um, that this was also my sense about you know merchandising had exploded in the time that I had you know left comics in the time that I had returned with you know the the DC direct action figures now DC collectibles you know the higher end stuff that was all starting to come out uh, all of that stuff I discovered first through Comic Book Heaven. 
Yeah, actually, speaking of toys, so um, in the, the Christmas special of this podcast, I, I, I went to a store called It's Vintage in, uh, in New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. Have you been there? I've heard of it, but I have not been. Yeah. I went to the website after that episode. Yeah? Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah, Do they, is there much on the website? Yeah, he's got a bunch of photos. Maybe it's the Facebook page. The Facebook a lot of photos of the, all the time. Yeah, yeah. photos um, of the customs and stuff. Yeah, he's really big into custom action figures. Uh, but certainly, if you if you're looking for any older toys, it's a it's a great shop. And he clearly has a lot of pride in the store and in the individual pieces. I mean, it's um, curated very well. Uh, the the toys are not cheap. The thing that's funny though is you know it's called it's vintage. And he did have some really older stuff, like there were the superpowers toys, which which I love, and that was the main reason why I wanted to go and, and do the podcast. Um, but a lot of the figures were, you know, things that came through alternate realities during the time that I was working there, like you know the DC Direct stuff from the early right. to mid two thousands. Right. And I'm like, this is vintage, but um, but well, he so had you them say all. that about you say superpowers, <laughs> I think that's vintage. Yeah, it's all relative. Um, but yeah, that's that's a terrific store. Uh, it's vintage in New Jersey, um, and yeah, their Facebook and Instagram pages. A uh, ton of photos, especially of the custom figures, which is, that's really its, its own world. It's, right. it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I've never, I've ne I mean, I've always been intrigued by the whole thing of the custom figures. I'm amazed at what people can do. You know, the, the, the artistry that goes on behind that. But it's, I'm always afraid to buy one because I'm always afraid, like, the face will fall off. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's like, a, I don't want to pay that kind of money for something that might not, you know, so. Yeah, no, I hear you. Now, Mr. Comic Book Creator over here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've, you've hit on this a couple of times already, but I am curious what your perspective is like when you do go to these stores, because it's not just as a customer. I mean, even me right. now, as I go to these stores, I'm thinking like, oh, could I maybe do a podcast with them? Sure. So, but for you, as you know, you're going, you're, you have your book, you want them to stock your book. What is your approach as you're, as you're going in? Uh, generally, so I'll go into a store, I'll go to their kids' section to see what they have, to see if it's sort of that A, has a well-stocked kids' section, because my book is primarily intended for kids. Actually, on that note, would you yeah. mind telling people a little bit about picks? Sure. Before that, we'll keep, I'm going to defend comics from the 90s oh, briefly. <laughs> by I didn't pointing mean to out, lay down the gauntlet. Just yeah. by pointing out yeah. that comics like Astro City and Leave the Chance and Hellboy well, sure, and Stray Bullets all happened in the 90s. Vertigo, yes, of course. Yeah. All of that okay. Too. Yeah. Now, um, uh, my book, Picks, is, uh, is a, people say all ages, it's a kid's book. But adults will enjoy too. But it's a kid's book. It's about a teenage girl who has superpowers, wears a costume, she's a superhero, and she claims to be a fairy princess. She uh, says that her father is the king of the, the fairy kingdom, but that's not proven as yet. So people think she might be a bit nuts. Uh, and the first book, which visually, you can't see it, I have on the table here, um, is, is sort of a monster of the week adventure story. Every chapter she's dealing with some sort of weird thing that's happening. Electronics comes to life, she's fighting a dragon, she's uh, turned into a bunny rabbit to save her neighbor, things like that. And then the second book, which comes out May 3rd, 2017, uh, will continue her story. She goes back to school and you find out that having superpowers does not make her popular in the least. And uh, it's actually very difficult to be a girl who claims to be a fairy princess in high school, where uh, she's the, the butt of many a joke and, and uh, she decides in that book that it's not worth it, and she stops being a superhero. It's very classic, you know, Spider-Man no more kind of a thing. And it's a comic book, so that's not going to work. Normal, ordinary doesn't work in a comic book. Uh, so the second book, and also in the second book, I think it's on page 180, 
uh, we answer the question whether she is or is not a fairy princess. So we get right to it. No, no decompression here. We're, getting, we're hitting all the notes. Does she throw the outfit in the trash can and it's kind of slumped over the side and her back is, you know. No, no, I, I, I did not uh, homage that, that cover, but uh, the costume is slumped yeah. at the, uh, the last page of chapter two. Okay. I just won't tell you where. You gotta buy the book, guys. I'm not giving it all away. Uh, but what you are giving away, ah, plug, plug, uh, uh, free yeah. chapter one. The, right? first, the chapter first chapter of the first book. There's a bunch of copies over there, and I have five copies of the book here. This is a plug, plug. If anyone wants to buy them off of me after this, uh, it'll help me pay for this $3 lemonade and my train, t- <laughs> and my train ticket back uh, to New York. So going into a comic book store, I assess the kids' section, see if it's even a store that would stock, you know, that might possibly carry the book. If they don't, there's no, there's no point in starting the conversation. Are they, are they ever like, why is this, this like grown man like so into the kids section? No, I think most times they probably think I'm looking for a gift for somebody or whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. If there's going to be judgment in a comic book store, everybody's got to back up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the first step. And then if it looks like they have a, a, a reasonably stocked kids section, if you go into a kids section and they don't have smile, you're like, all right, these people might not know exactly what to have on the shelves, which is maybe offensive to con- some con- I apologize if you don't have smile on your shelves, but you should, it's a big one. Um, so then once I see that that's possible, uh, I, if I have a copy of the book, I usually have a copy with me, which is also very helpful. I'll go up to the counter and ask, who is the person that orders the books? And then you either get, depending on who's behind the counter, there's either just like, you know, who are you? Like what, you know, that attitude of like, oh, they're not here, basically, they're not here. And then I say, well, I have a book, it's published, you know, when I was self-published, I'd say self-published and then immediately you'd get another wall to go up. But now I could say it's published by Image Comics and then I take it out of my bag and I show it and I'm like, I want to talk about if you want to order them. And I usually bring the chapter ones as a leave behind. Uh, and you just, it's different every time. You know, some stores are super resistant and they're, they'll say like, you know, you really shouldn't even leave that behind because, yeah, yeah. There've definitely been stores where I'm like, can I leave something behind? Like, it's really not worth it, just email. Uh, here's a card. I'm like, all right, fine. I know where that's going to go. Um, there are other stores where they're super receptive, and it's great. You do the leave behind, you leave the card, and you're like, here's, here's hoping they, they place the order. And then some of those experiences, this, this is a, a story of a good experience that went south and felt weird. So I was in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, visiting my, uh, my brother and his family. And this was when the first book that I self-published, 2014, was in previews catalog. So I was going to stores in Madison. I went into this one store, uh, and I won't name it out of, in fairness. Uh, it was, a, it was a, a very classic comic book store. Comics in, in stacks, like not even filed, just stacks of comics around, a couple of shelves, a lot of shelves of back issues, but it seemed like it was a, a small space with a cacophony of books. Uh, but they had a kid section. It was a pretty good kid section, all things considered. So I was talking to the, the owner there, and I did my, you know, can I speak to the person who orders the books? That's me, but we're talking. I showed him the page in previews. I showed him the book. He's, he liked the look of it. He's like, yeah, I think we can order this. So then I started asking questions about the store because uh, it was a name that was familiar in, in the history of comics. And we were talking about the, the distribution crash of the early 90s. And it was a very interesting conversation. But it was, it was tinged with weird markers. So for instance, and this is me relaying the story. Uh, I'm asking about the, the, the distribution breakdown in the 90s. And he talked about how Marvel had come out to see their distribution center uh, in Madison. And the phrase was, <laughs> the phrase was, 
Yeah, Marvel sent out this guy, said the name, I don't remember, uh, this Jew kid, and it was just a very weird... Just waiting for it to hit that, yeah. And then followed by, nothing against the Jews, I am a Jew. It was weird. It was a weird scene. Um, so that made me uncomfortable, but at this point, I'm just going to order the book, so now I feel like, a, like, this, like this is a weird... Then the UPS guy comes in, and I start walking around the store, and I see a stack of, of Star Comics. Star Comics from the 80s was a kid's line at the time, and in the X-Babies miniseries I had written, we brought all those characters back. They've done nothing with them since, but it was fun to do. So I see they have first issues of all the Star Comics. I'm pulling them, and there's no prices on them because they're just loose, they're not in bags or anything. So I'm finding the first issue of Top Dog, Royal Roy, and, and I'm overhearing the conversation with UPS guy. And this is right before, what was the, it was, an, it was one of the indictment hearings for one of these uh, kids shot in the back kind of a thing. It might have been Michael Brown, I can't remember. And I won't even repeat what, it was not the N-word, but it was still inappropriate and made me very uncomfortable. So I put all the comics I'd picked up down and, and left, the, so I thanked him and I walked out of the store. But it was a really troubling experience where that's a story, and, and the, the, the add-on to that was, there was another store in Madison, I was asking about that, and he was saying like, oh, that, that store's like, that store's like that, that show comic book men, right. it's a terrible store, you know, apparently his ex-wife had, it was all, it's all very, I'm probably giving so many clues, you can forget who all this is, but I went to that other store afterwards, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful store, wide open spaces, uh, books against the walls, islands of books in the middle, uh, the staff wasn't the, the friendliest, like, they weren't t particularly talkative. Uh, that, that story was, the store had two people in it. This was a Tuesday. There were two people in the store, one guy at the counter, one guy in the back, and there was a customer. The customer had walked out. I go up to the guy at the counter, I'm like, you know, I'd like to talk to the person who orders the books. I have a book in previews. <laughs> the guy literally, is, there's nobody in there. He goes, I'm really busy right now. <laughs> <We're just> like, <laughs> All right, I, I still took the book out. I get, and it was a nice enough store, I bought something. But I gave the leave behind and I walked out. I'm like, man, these stores are really quite something. Uh, the, the, the pickup was, I then went to Chicago the next day and I went to Challengers and I went in and did my spiel. And uh, he's like, what page is it in previews? He opened up previews to that page and he had already circled it before I'd even gotten there. This is back of the book, self-published thing. So Challengers, uh, big ups, because that, I'll name them. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you do talk about, I mean, there is that dark side. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we sit here celebrating comic book stores and. You know, I, I, I've had similar experiences with places that are, are, are just appalling. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there was a place in Kansas City where they were saying things at the counter, and I was in the middle of shopping and buying some back issues. Um, because like you said earlier, I'm not going to buy new stuff because I buy that at my place. Right. But, and I was in the back, and I overheard the really off-color stuff. I just dropped the stuff. Yeah, you, just like, I'm, 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 you can't do it. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. It's, and, it's and, and, and gross. And there's, there's a place in, um, in, uh, in New York City also, not in Manhattan, in Queens, um, where I walked in, and I just felt completely skeeved out. And you can you could still see why the, you know, why those... Uh, you know, why, why the stereotypes still do exist because there are still these places that are completely not only just unwelcoming to you know to women or to people of color but just to anybody who's not them yeah and it's, they make comic book guy in the simpsons look good right yeah, yeah. i mean right exactly <laughs> yeah. that 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 whole and you like you said a guy who's like i'm too busy he's got <laughs> they're too busy doing what you know and it's it's <clears throat> unfortunately those places still do exist now my experience over the last you know 10, 15 years has been mostly the opposite. Yeah. 
and which is nice that there are places now that you know that exist that don't seem to. I mean, they, they seem to have gone out of their way to be the opposite. I mean, I can tell. It's great. Just to tip the scales and balance against that. Yeah. So I was in Los Angeles, also uh, pitching my book around, and there's a ton of stores in Los Angeles, and they're all beautiful, and, and you sort of go to all of them, and uh, two in particular uh, were really well. Meltdown had the book, which was great. So I was very excited. It sounds like a great store. I've it is a great read, store. It, look, yeah. it sounds like, yeah. Meltdown is, all the stores in LA are really good. Yeah. Um, Meltdown had <coughs> copies, and, and then I signed the copies, the copies they had, and it was great. Uh, then I went to a shop called House of Secrets, I believe, in Burbank, and I was telling him about the book, and the guy at the counter straight up said, like, are you selling that copy? I'm like, if you want it, and he bought it right off of me there and put it on the shelf, which was awesome. And then I was in Blast Off Comics, Bla the, the, the owner oh, of Blair, yeah. co-owner Blast, well, uh, Scott Tipton yeah. is the other one. He actually is a contributor to 13th Convention. Okay. He, uh, he helps pick our picks of the week and, and all of that. Um, they were wonderful. I'm, I'm sorry to, to yeah, cut no, you no. off, but they, they even just spent all of March dedicating you know, enormous parts of their website to Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. I mean, they're really involved in the community, and they're, they're a great example of, of how to do it right. Yeah, that is a beautiful store. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wood floors, wood shelves, everything like a nice, rich, dark wood, and yeah. it's, it's gorgeous. Um, I went in there, and again, the book was in previews, and I had my copy, and I was talking to Judd, right. and you know, he gave me a lot of time, and he's like, let me see the book, and he's like, oh, good, there's a price on it. He's like, you know, people come in here with books, and I'm like, oh, there's a price, there's an ISBN, it's, it's legit. And he goes, do you know how many copies Diamond has? The book had been out like for a week and a half. And I'm like, I don't. He went on the computer. He's like, it looks like they have 33 copies in their warehouse. I'm like, okay, that's cool. He goes, you know what, 32. Like he bought one right there. And it's like, it was great. Like you don't forget, like now I, these are the stores when I go back to LA, I do go to those stores, even if not, just to walk around. Cause it's such a, it feels like a much more welcoming place, a place that is supportive and interested in selling comics and, and building that community that I was never particularly part of, but I appreciate what it is. Like, I, I know that that's important. I'm just an antisocial monster. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say, at Alternate Realities, Steve used to love when people would uh, contact him about trying to sell their stuff. <laughs> is that a hashtag sarcasm? A little bit. No, I have to say, though, I, I, um, it would depend. But I think Steve generally, you know, if he believed in it, like if he thought it was a quality piece of work, sure. he would get behind it. I mean, I certainly, when I, when I do it, I try and golden rule it. Like, how would I want somebody to pitch something to me? Because I've been at comic book shows, I'm a cartoonist, and people come to me with, will you look at my work? And there's a way to do that that is professional, and there's a way to do that where you are like, okay, this is, this is a different animal. So I try and behave the way I did when I would show samples, when I was trying to get work. I'm doing the same. I'm just trying to get somebody to invest in me in some capacity, whether it's buy this book or pay me to draw comics or something. I'm the one asking for the favor. So I'm on, you know, head in hand, what is, what's the expression? Hat Something in hand? hand, hat in hand? Yeah, I'm hat in hand. So I can't go in there like, you gotta buy this book in stock. It's like, look, I have this book. Are you interested? Here's what it's about. If not, we part ways. It's cool, but you know. It's, it's amazing how much hustle that the, the creators have to do, unless you're, you know, writing for the big two. Even and then, there's hustle, right? Yeah, well, there, there is that also. Yeah. And, and if you're not writing the Avengers at Marvel, you're sort right, of hustling. Right, that's true. <laughs> and, it, and also, the, 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 something that I've learned a lot in doing, in doing 13th Dimension is how some people just aren't good at it. Who, all the things that you just described there are lost on a lot of people on yeah. really what it takes to get your name out there 
and the amount of work that goes into actually selling your own books. Because you're right, you know, if you're if you're writing the top tier DC books, they'll they, they will not, and that's not the pick out DC. The same goes for Marvel. The the mid tier to lower tier, sometimes they just let them fend for themselves. It's a little different now because of the way that they double ship and and all of that. But um, but image, you know, and not to knock image, but the same goes IDW, boom, whatever. You really have to do, you, you are your own best PR. Oh, no, no, image is, I mean, having self-published and now being an image, image is tremendous, but it is self-publishing with a boost. Right. Like you're jumping that fence like and they're, people, they're people giving People misunderstand what image is. They, yeah. they, it is, in a sense, self-publishing if you're able to, I mean, you, I don't know if it's, if it's off point, but it is really interesting that people know, you know exactly what it takes to get a book published at image. Uh, the, my short version is I've known people at Image for years. Yeah. It's, it is a case of who you know kind of thing. But arguably, the work has to stand for itself. Right. So I had self-published. It was sort of a proof in concept. And I approached Image and said, I have a second book I'm working on. I was going to self-publish it. But you guys are more interested in doing kids stuff. You're, you're trying to move into that direction. Would you be interested? And, and that's how yeah. it sort of worked out. But it really is, you know, they're very supportive. They pay for the printing and everything up front. Right. But I don't make a dime until they've covered they're nuts. So, you know, it's still, it's still drawing the book out of pocket. I know no page rate, none of that. So, you know, I spent a year working on this book and now I'm hoping it'll turn something into something. Uh, but, but the image name alone has helped. So my initial self-published book, and we're completely way off topic. That's all good. We uh, have time. This okay. Is, uh, yeah. the, initial, <laughs> the initial order on the self-published book sold X number of copies. The image final order cutoff was three times that number. Just by being in the front of the catalog and having that image name on it. So I'm happy with that. One thing I want to follow up on, Dan, you mentioned shipping schedules and sort of segueing a bit, but building off of that. I have a feeling from my own experiences working at a store and talking to other owners that as I, as I go to these other shops over the coming months, I will hear a number of grievances um, and, and you know, issues. You know, there are certainly challenges that comic book stores face. I was wondering if maybe we can make some predictions uh, as far as things that we're that I'm likely to hear, okay. um, whether it's things like you know too many events or you know things like that. Because um, obviously, you know, you're both very plugged in, and certainly with 13th Dimension and all that. What are some of the, the biggest challenges well, that you think I'll, I'll hear another, about? Another of our of our contributors is a woman named Christy Blanche, who owns the All Yeah Comics that's in Muncie, Indiana. Yeah. And Christy writes a regular, uh, like I, I intentionally sought comic store owners to be to be contributors to the site because they do have a different perspective than creators, publishers, and what have you. I wanted that... Boots on the ground. Yeah, yeah. that, that frontline kind of, you know, seeing it from a different perspective. And I wanted to tap into that. So Scott Tipton from Blast Off Comics, as I mentioned, helps me pick the, the books that we think are going to be the most interesting. And then what Christy does on Saturdays is... What she, what she calls last week's comics today, kind of a, you know, riff on John Oliver, where it's basically the two or three best books of the week. And they, they each come from it from the perspective of people who actually do write also, but also are retailers. And the thing that I hear consistently um, is the, the issue of pre-orders and returns that, is, that dominates the discussion for, for and, and what's going on with DC's returnability. Um, you know, I think Marvel, Really stepped into it last week with the comments that came out of, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the retailer, issue, the re, yeah, the, the retailing meeting. Um, but I think that the thing that are, are, because there has been a real struggle for you know comics retailers over the last year, year and a half, in large measure misunderstood, and I mean that not like they, you know they're getting it wrong. It's like people don't understand why this has happened. Um, Marvel books have plummeted. 
you know, the sales have really, really fallen off, and obviously the big controversy is to why that has happened. Um, and there is a lot of question about double shipping and whether or not that's, that, that they're killing the golden goose. Um, so I think you're going to hear a lot about that. Um, but it's, it's pre-orders, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of money that, that, that seems to get you know, bottlenecked because a lot of customers aren't picking up their books. Um, from the, right now, DC seems to have kind of hit the jackpot with the way that they've done their, their double shipping because they're in, they're in a pretty good place, comparatively speaking, uh, than Marvel is. Um, and, and, and the retailers seem to be happier with the fact that they, you know, that they have returnability on their books, or at least to a certain extent. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I don't pretend to be an expert myself. Um, but those are some of the issues that I'm hearing. Although that said, it is hard to keep up. You know, when you're double shipping Batman and Detective and Nightwing and all these other books, I think it probably works to some extent, but I think that also the price point apparently is also makes it tougher for, for retailers also because their books are a lot less expensive. But that's changing in April. This month, the monthly books for DC are going back up to $3.99. The double ships are stick, sticking at $2.99. I think that's going to change some things also. Yeah, actually, one of the stores that I'll be visiting is Pack Rat Comics in Ohio, um, and they actually had an image that went slightly viral recently. Uh, one of the owners uh, took a photo of all of the books that customers had stuck him yeah. with. Yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. and um, so I'm, I'm really interested. To, it's a husband and wife team. Uh, he right. and his wife own the store. So I'm really interested to talk to them about that. And obviously, you know, this is something that came up a lot over season one of this podcast as we were talking about alternate realities because delinquent customers, you know, was a huge problem that we faced as well. So I imagine, yes, that that is very likely to be uh, yeah, a recurring I mean, that, theme. That, was, that seems to be the number one issue or one of the major issues, fun, uh, you know, facing retailers right now. Christy writes about it quite a bit. She's always mentioning in her column, pre-order and then pay for it, pre-order and pay for it because the way the direct market works and, uh, you know, as far as your audience, probably a lot of people already know that, but you're, you have to order, you have to figure out, if you're a retailer, you have to figure out what to order. You have to make sure that you have enough stock for your customers and the people who are just walking in. But also, if people say, I want this book, I want this book, I want this book, and then you order it, and then those people don't buy up, you know, pick up the books, then you're stuck with the, that stock. You can't send it back. You can't make the money. And that's money that would have been spent perhaps on something else. And the, the, the cash flow issue with the direct market is a real, real problem. Yeah, for sure. And what about you, Greg? What were your I, predictions? I predict if people are willing to talk about it, and some may in couch terms or not, but uh, my understanding is the, the pre-order process for Marvel and their variants and the, the way the math works on that <laughs> yeah. is so complicated and weird yeah. and, and, and uh, mercurial, where it's like if you want to unlock this variant, you have to order 100x percent of a book that you ordered three months ago. Like that, I know... Is, is a huge pain for people, and they may or may not talk about it publicly, but I've definitely heard people uh, bemoan having to do that kind of math because one customer wants to all the Scotty Young covers, so it becomes right. this whole, and then you end up ordering a bunch of books, and th those books are $3.99 a pop, and even for a retailer, that's, was it, $1.80 a pop or something? And when you get a lot of those, that means you can't then order other things, and it's, it's, a, it's a shelf space, rack space, resource, and sometimes Eater they tie the variants to books or the orders to books that aren't even yeah. that book. They'll tie it to a different book yeah, yeah. to bring up the sales of the other book. And it's, and it's all down to the fact that there's the three-month window and the direct market is what it is. And, and the unit price is yeah. high. Yeah, it is. It is, it is. 
it is a no longer disposable reading yeah. situation. And you know, and then this goes to a whole other thing I've been talking about for years. You know, because circulations are down, ad revenues are gone. Right. Like there are no ads in books anymore. Now, when there is an ad, readers complain. It's like, dude, there should be tons of ads. Readers complain. <laughs> I want all the ads. Yeah. Because then you can get comics cheaper. Because ads help pay for things. Commercials pay for TV shows. Like and you this can is, get sea monkeys too. That's yeah. the other thing. If you add comics. But again, that's a whole other. That gets a whole other conversation about who's reading comics and who they're selling them to and what's in them. And, that's and it's remarkable too because superheroes and superhero properties are more popular now than they've been since the 40s. You know, when you had radio shows or whatever, now sure. all of the, te- you know, the CW, which is practically superhero, DC superhero TV, you know, every, you know, how many superhero movies are coming out this year, the amount of money you know, and the merchandising alone and all of it, it's, it's, they've never been more popular. The fact that they still can't convert that into comic book readers is startling. Something is, something's wrong because that stuff is still great. There's still great material being published. Yeah, it is fascinating, and I, you know, sort of the levels of all of this, you know, from the publishers to the distributor, the one distributor, right. uh, to all the comic shops and then the customers, yeah. I mean, you know, the interplay among these different levels is really interesting, and, you know, in certain cases, you question, like, where does the responsibility lie? Like, you know, we were not at alternate realities, you know, Free Comic Book Day wasn't, you know, a, a huge thing, and, you know, Steve in particular always bemoaned the fact that, you know, Customers don't recognize that you know stores have to pay for those books. They're not free for the stores. But it's like, is it necessarily the customer's responsibility to find that out? But it probably should be getting out there in some way. I would only say to that is that if you say you're going to order something, then pay for it and buy it. You know that that's your contract. Uh, you know there's no you know there's no other there's no other part of the deal as far as you know what the customer's responsibility is. But if you do say that you're going to order this book and you want X, Y, and Z, right. then pick up X, Y, and Z. I mean that to me is the bare minimum. Yeah. But yeah, certainly, uh, you know, how all of these forces come into play, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I find interesting, and I, I really am curious to get the perspectives, at least on the retail side, of a lot of these things. I'm curious to hear it. Yeah, well, you know, season three, we're going to kick off in June. Uh, it'll run 10 episodes every other week. Uh, most of the lineup is, is pretty much set, so it's, it's coming together nicely. Uh, I'm also going to be launching a second podcast series, because one, just not enough for me. <laughs> Uh, so it's going to be yeah. called uh, Flat Squirrel Tales, and that'll be a bit of a looser show, so it won't be Because of a squirrel's tail. You got it. <laughs> Boom. Uh, so it won't, it'll definitely have a you know, comic you know, feel to a certain extent, but uh, we'll get into some other topics as well, so I'm really excited about that. It should be the other podcast, but everybody in it is like an animal, like Marvel Tales, when they use Peter Porker. <laughs> or Marvel <laughs> Apes. Come on, guys. That was a, there was a comic called Marvel Tales, T-A-I-L-S, and it was... Okay, forget it. <laughs> it was a valiant effort. Go back to the grocery stores. They getting, like that. <laughs> I was getting last. That was, I just tanked it hard. Actually, though, on the note of the grocery store, we're, we're, we're winding down here now. But, you know, we've been talking so much about comic shops. But obviously there are other places where you can find comics. And, and as I was reflecting on my own shop history, um, there was a, well, there still is a deli uh, right in Hartsdale on the Four Corners. A lot of people probably know it, uh, Dairy Dell. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if they still have it, but they used to have their like newsstand section and they used to have comic books. And I remember in elementary school, uh, one night we had a Christmas concert at school. And it's a Catholic school, pre-K through college. So we had a Christmas concert. And afterward, uh, my dad and I went to Dairy Dell. And I had kind of fallen out. This was 96, I want to say. 
And I had kind of fallen out of, of comic books a little bit. This was probably shortly after Heroes World closed, I'm thinking. And I had been out of it a little bit. And this was during the triangle era of the Superman books, and in particular, the Trial of Superman storyline. I know you were out for the 90s. I don't know if you right. know that one. Uh, but it was the Trial of Superman. And I just happened to see one of the issues on the, on the rack there, and I picked it up. And that kind of pulled me back in. At a, you know, I don't really often think of Derrydell as playing a major role, but that kind of... If not for that, I don't know if I would have really gotten back into it. It was an interesting experience. I don't know of any place that, that's like that now, but as a kid, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, in the, in the 70s, when comic book stores weren't that prevalent, they were only starting to kind of get their footing. There were, you know, I, I mean, we've talked about the, the couple of places that I, I went to, but there was a, a place that was called a nominally a stationary store, but really what it was was you know, kind of a newsstand, drugstore kind of whatever. And that's actually, before I could, you know, risk my life by taking my bike and all of that, I just used to walk there every week and I would just see whatever was new. I wasn't even entirely clear on the order in which the comics came out. But that's how I used to get my comics. And I have really fond memories of going there also. And it was, there was an older couple that used to run it. And they, at first they kind of looked at me like, all right, what is he going to try to steal from us? I mean, that's what they looked at all the kids. But eventually they got used to the fact that I was, you know, that I was there to pay my money and I, so they would put things aside and maybe you like this and they would say nice things about me to my mom and, you know, that was all really cool. But, you know, I, I kind of missed being able to just go into a store and, and see all of that because really, otherwise, it's, it really is just comic book stores now. And conventions. I mean, I could go on and on about conventions too. Yeah, conventions could certainly be, uh, that might be a topic I explore more fully down the line, because that definitely is its own Yeah, its own it, world. because it's a different kind, it's not the weekly thing, but it is a, it's an entirely different experience, and the things that I buy at a show versus what I buy at the store, and the experience of what I go into it for is completely different, so it's, it's definitely worth looking into. And Mr. Supermarket Man, where, where else do you find comics? The library. You can get comic books at the library, and some libraries have a lot of comic books. The New York Public Library has a ton of graphic novels, and then uh, you can read them, and they're all beat up, but then you just give them back. It's great, and we are paying for it, because we pay taxes, guys. So, um, and the more comics you get from the library, the more comics the library will order. So it, it is, uh, it's, 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 I get my comics from the library, because I don't have that much shelf space anymore. I'm in an apartment, so sometimes I just want to read something, and. I use the library. It's also a good point for younger readers, too. Like, my son's yeah. high school. They've got a ton of them. They have a whole section of graphic novels at his school. Yeah, I mean, the more I've yeah. learned about doing the kids' market, the more you see how the direct market is such a small piece of that. Oh, and yeah, it's, for, for, yeah. For, for kids, Scholastic and all of that. Yeah, I kids' mean, stuff, it's libraries, it's schools, it's, you know, bookstores, which is a whole different thing with returnability and everything. But you see that there's, there are people reading comics. They're not reading the comics we read. Right which is a whole different conversation. Uh, but they're reading stuff, uh, and they love it. Right. Kids love comics, and kids love superheroes, and kids love this stuff, and it's just, there's that weird, there's a train left the station probably around 1986, and it's been veering off ever since, and uh, it leads to where we are now, but, you know, there's other trains. It's like, you know, your, your, your friend Brandon Montclair, I mean, <laughs> sure. you, know, uh, uh, you know, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur does really, really well on the book circuit in schools on the, you know, the monthly, you know, whatever yeah. it does for Marvel, it does whatever it does, but, the, you know, their money is in trades, and, that's, and it's a really successful book, you know, at Scholastic Book Fairs and for kids and in schools. 
So I think we're uh, just going to be winding down here now. Is there anything else that either of you would like to say or any particular uh, comic shop uh, experiences that really stand out to you? Anything we didn't get to that you'd like to share? Hmm. I go every Wednesday and I still love it. Absolutely love it. I, I, if, I, if I don't go, it, it's, I, I miss it and I will go the next day for whatever reason. I just I have to go once a week. It's just a really, you know, even if I'm buying two books, you know, that week, it's just, it's, I'm really glad to have that, you know, you know, like I said, after I left comics for about 10 years, I've been back in comics now for 10 to 15 years, and I've been probably more into comics now than I even was when I was a kid, in a different way, of course, as a kid, it's a whole other way of looking at it, um, but I'm just glad to, to have that experience every week. It's a really important part of my life. That's fantastic. What about you, sir? I don't know. I keep trying to think of something awesome to say. <laughs> I feel like I really gotta, you know, stick the landing, gymnastic style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a good story. I feel like I had one, and now it's, now it's, it's gone. That's quite all right. But actually, though, you know, going back to the bagging of the trades, yeah. when you were starting to tell that story, I thought you were going to say that they bag all the individual issues. I've seen that, too. And I've seen that in Hawaii. Like, on our honeymoon, we went to a few stores, and at least one, maybe two, I think they say it's because of the, the you know, the salt in the air, I think, from the ocean. That's, I don't know. But uh, every single issue, single issue, was bagged. New issues, you mean? Yeah. I grew, up, I grew up in so Miami. No, We're near the sense, ocean. I mean, there's actually a reason for it. Yeah. I mean, if that's a legit reason, well, sure. But, but it was only, I, I specifically saw it at one store, and I didn't see it at others, so I don't know. But I, I made a comment to the guy behind the counter. I was like, this is amazing. You, you bag all of them. And he was like, well, we all do. So, But then know. how do you see, all right, so you go into a store. Every new issue is bagged. Boarded also or just bagged? Just bagged. Okay. So now, taped and everything? I think so. Yeah, they, yeah. So if you wanted to just see, oh, what's happening in this issue, you have to undo the tape, make sure the tape doesn't get caught on the back, because then you yeah, broke it, you bought yeah, it. That's like a the risky, whole risky endeavor. It just, I, know. I can see somebody going to the store that's never been to a comic book store and saying, I, I, okay, I'm out. Like, you know, it's like if you, are you expect to pick fruit without smelling it and like seeing if it's always back to the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> Food is universal. We all eat every day. There's a way to pick fruit properly. When I go to the carts on the street in, in New York, they'll, they sometimes will bag, get, like, give me five, I have to check the oranges. Because if they don't smell like orange, don't bother. It's not gonna taste like an orange. For me, it's the apples, but then I don't want to compare apples and oranges, so. <laughs> you know, when I come up with the title of this episode, it's gonna have to be some kind of, like, supermarket pun. I'm <laughs> no, sure that, right? my supermarket obsession is only a fraction of this long conversation. It might be the highlight, <laughs> but it's, it's merely a fraction. It's the ice cap of this beautiful mountain. Another metaphor. Love them. There you go. Yeah. Well, I think that is just that's gonna just about do it for us. Uh, I want to thank well, everyone. The, who the came old out saying today. is, "End on a metaphor." Well, that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> Uh, but I want to thank everyone who came out today. I want to thank uh, Chris Wilcock and the organizers of Undiscovered Realm Comic Con uh, for, for having us here today. And I want to thank my wife, Stephanie, for taking photos. I want to thank Carolyn. Uh, Carolyn for helping out with shirt distribution back there. And actually, we are going to do a little bit of a contest. We want to make this fun. Um, so everyone who got a shirt, here's the deal. By the end of this month, go to, go to any comic shop. I don't care which one. 
uh, wearing or holding, if you don't want to wear it, but ideally wearing wear your My it. Comic Shop History shirt, take a selfie at the store, and then post it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or all three, with the hashtag My Comic Shop History. Uh, and then we're going to pick a winner, and the winner is going to get a mystery box of goodies from the Alternate Realities Warehouse. Uh, so we're going to put together some... Steve, do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> is that okay? No, we talked about that. Um, so yeah, so that's the deal. So by the end of the month, uh, go to your shop with the shirt, take a selfie, post it, hashtag my comic shop history. And again, the winner will get this uh, mystery box from Alternate Reality. So uh, I'm going to head to the warehouse. Will they include any of my old comic books? They very likely may. <laughs> so if you want one of those special uh, Some DNA, DNA variants. DNA variants, yeah. <laughs> So, and uh, Greg and Dan, thank you so much for being here. Really thank you, Anthony. Thanks for having us. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, that'll do it. Don't be a flat squirrel.